Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending September 30th, 2023. This week, the strike is over. Well, one of them anyway. I'm Kim Hollis, attending a bucket list concert in two nights. Is it Taylor Swift? (laughs) It is not Taylor Swift. (laughs) We won't be in Kansas City this weekend, no. (laughs) With me are David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride and streaming media analyst who has 41 homers and 70 stolen bases less than Ronald Acuna Jr. And he did not cost the Atlanta Braves $400 million, unlike certain NLE's teams. Tim's not here this week. It's okay. <laughs> and the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who's dating Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Don't worry, guys. I'm just doing it for the clicks. <laughs> the sex is bonus. <laughs> You're going to eat at so many cheeseburger joints. <laughs> We're doing a short episode this week because I love Peter Gabriel enough to go to Chicago to see him live. But we felt we had to record because on Sunday night, the Writers Guild and the Hollywood Studios came to an agreement and their side of the strike is now officially ended. Details are still emerging. David and Raul, what do we know? Basically, a bunch of people in Hollywood who were super powerful thought they could bully the writers into taking whatever deal was offered. It didn't work. And in the end, the writers bent executives to their will, which might be a first in the history of Hollywood. Not even joking. Indeed. You can't blame the AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, for trying. It's worked every other time. But after 148 days on strike, the Writers Guild strike has ended, and it only ended after the Hollywood studios agreed to a number of concessions. They gave in on almost every front and the writers are going to be all the better off for it. It's unfortunate that it had to take this long. I have some cynical opinions as to whether or not this strike was intentional on behalf of some executives in Hollywood, and I'm not happy about it. But the writers did get a lot of what they wanted. And this is great news. David, out of uh, out of all the concessions they got, which do you think are the most important? Well, it's one that I think is also going to be the most obfuscating. And so we're only going off of the theoretical rather than what actually happens. However, it does appear that the writers actually got in a concession where they will get residuals for successful programming. Raul, I know that you were telling me there's asterisk after asterisk on that. And I know that as a Southerner, I don't say asterisk well, but uh, (laughs) you go ahead and tell us. This was basically the streaming strike. All we heard throughout the strike was that the writers and now the actors of uh, as well who remain on strike were getting pennies on their residuals for the content that they were creating that was showing up on streaming services. And what the writers wanted and what, in fact, the actors want as well is a better residual formula so that they get more money for their content on streaming services and even more money when one of their shows on a streaming service performs well, a streaming bonus 
this for a hit show. That initially appeared to be a non-starter. The Hollywood studios did not want to talk about their streaming data. Ultimately, they don't want their uh, their competitors, who happen to be their partners here in this negotiation, to know really how well their shows are performing on streaming. Yeah, I think one of the things we should note here is we've kind of chronicled this on the podcast almost accidentally. And that is when we first started talking about the Nielsen streaming charts, services like Max and Paramount Plus did not participate. And the reason why was they knew they wouldn't score that well compared to Netflix and they didn't want to embarrass themselves. So they were too far in their heads about this. And then once they started actually participating in the program, it turned out their numbers were fine. I mean, we've seen several shows from both services on this listing. The same thing is happening here where everybody's like, eh, we really don't want one of our competitors to be aware of our data. Well, let's not be childlike about it. It's not like people outside of Max are overlooking the fact that the idol didn't do well and winning time is canceled. Everybody generally has an idea of what's happening everywhere else because we all read basically the same trade publications. This isn't a mystery or a surprise. The problem has been getting them to codify it. And what happened here that's really interesting, and I think this is one of the most underrated aspects of this entire story is because this happened for so long and because it smoldered and there was a slow burn, the increased communication between Writers Guild members and other people in the industry led to a greater awareness of how pervasive the issue was. It led to greater communication about what was happening and it forced a transparency that no executive involved with the negotiations initially intended to give the writers. They got it anyway. Folks, that is a massive win. Yeah, you'd think that the studios would never give in on giving metrics for their shows. And yet by the end, they had agreed. Now, how those metrics are revealed is a sticking point. It looks like it's only going to be revealed to the Writers Guild under an NDA. And so it's not like we're going to know what shows are really a hit and what shows aren't going to be a hit. But the fact of the matter is that not only will the writers know what shows are and are not a hit, the writers will actually get bonuses based on that. And those bonuses state that a show that gets viewed by 20% or more of a service's domestic subscribers in the first 90 days of release will be considered a hit and there will be a bonus involved. So we know that it relates specifically to subscribers in the United States here. But the bonus structure will take effect for projects released on or after January 1, 2024. That means that no past hit, no show produced before that date will be included in this bonus structure. And furthermore, this is exclusive to shows produced only for streaming services. So after January 1st, 2024, if you wrote for a show like Suits or NCIS that is doing gangbusters in the ratings, your residual money does not change. I realize that a lot of what we talk about here can be arcane if you're not intimately familiar with what's happening, but there is a wow factor to that as well. And what it really means is both parties agreed, yeah, all right, the current structure isn't that good, but we're not going to fix any existing contract we have. We will, however, go ahead and make agreements for upcoming contracts. And that's something that, uh, well... 
it's going to be a little optimistic say, there. Yeah, let's say mushy. The idea is once you get your foot in the door, you can kick the door down more easily. And I think that it's a very dangerous expectation to think it'll be easy to kick the door down at that point, especially when you know there's going to be 10 people incentivized to stop you from kicking that door down. That's where we're looking at here, where a lot of people are going to spend the next three months doing nothing but finding the ways to mathematically reduce their financial exposure here. Riders are thinking to themselves, all right, now that we've got this in the contract, when we were negotiating two or three years, maybe just maybe we can get it for more riders and more riders. And eventually it'll become an industry-wide thing. Whereas the executives in the AMP are thinking to themselves, well, thank God, we don't have to worry about anything that comes out before 2024, which means the entirety of all content up until now and for the next three months is not included in that agreement. I would call that a pretty glaring oversight, wouldn't you, Roll? I don't know that's an oversight. Uh, certainly for the studios, that is intentional. Right. I 100% mean for the writers that they're taking a lot on faith here when they're, you know, just effectively eliminating everything that has come before for the time being. Sure, sure. They're, they have this optimistic perception that now that the studios are willing to talk about streaming residuals, that in the next contract, they'll be able to talk about retroactive streaming residuals. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but maybe they'll get that percentage bumped up for new shows. So in three years, when they're talking about the next contract, it'll be shows that are produced after January 1, 2027. You get this much more, but now it's tiers. I mean, mathematically for your accountants, this is a lot more work because you have to separate the shows into what shows were produced when, but you know, it'll keep the accountants busy. Okay. We might've just summarized the entire strike with that. Okay, it'll keep the accountants busy for a while. Yep, that's where we're at with this. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of math involved in determining who gets paid what. And if we know anything about Hollywood is that they like to play fast and loose with those formulas and that math. Now, of course, there were other stipulations in the contract. The studios are going to make contributions now to health and pension funds for the writers. There's stipulations related to mini rooms, which were these writers rooms that were that would be spun up before a show ever went into production that were really a concern for the writers. And I'm glad that's been addressed. There's been questions of minimum staffing for shows while showrunners like Mike White, who like to write all their episodes themselves will still get to do that, but that's like maybe five people in Hollywood can do that. Really? You're calling that the Mike White rule, not the Taylor Sheridan rule? That's an interesting interpretation. Mike Mike White seems to get it more. Taylor Sheridan, because he writes so many different shows, there's a question as to whether he really is the only writer on all those shows. So yes, Mike White seems to be the better example there, yes. I think the people who question that are the people who are like, how the hell is that guy doing that much that well? The minimum pay increase are going to be 5% immediately, 4% next year, and 3.5% the year after that. Yeah, we should acknowledge they didn't quite get as much upfront money as they had asked for. And I feel like that was the one thing going in that was most expected because really the producers were pretty blunt about the fact that 
we'll pay you for the other stuff as much as you want, just as long as you don't get the door cracked open on this stuff. And so that is the concession that the writers have made here. It's not just about the money for any one person. It's about the money for all of us. They didn't leave anyone behind with this deal. They thought about all writers, not just a certain percentage of them. That's very admirable. What I don't like about these pay increases is that it hasn't kept up with inflation. We saw how bad inflation was in the last couple of years. And in fact, if it's only 5% this year and 4% next year, you have less spending power now than you did before the start of the strike. And that's unfortunate. And the writers did get some concessions related to AI. I don't think any of them are really particularly substantial, but they do boil down to, I guess we're going to talk some more about AI in three years. Right now, it doesn't look like any scripts are going to be written by an AI anytime soon. Yeah, I will disagree with you just a little bit here. There was one substantial aspect of this, and that's according to the agreement, studios can't force writers to use chat GBT or the like to create something. You can use chat GPT if you want, but no one at a studio can tell you you have to use it to get this script out faster. And that is, to me, a vital concession because it guarantees that writers are in control. Because I can say, you know, I occasionally deal with people who have clearly used AI to write something, and it is painfully obvious how far that technology has to come before it's viable. I mean, it is brutal if you know what you're doing. You can tell the shortcomings so easily. So for writers to be forced to do that is a problem, and I'm relieved that that's not going to happen anytime soon. The bottom line here is that the writers got a considerable number of concessions from a group of studios that initially weren't willing to make any concessions. The dollar amount seems to add up to about twice as much as the studios were initially offering in their first proposal and the proposal they stuck with for about 90 days. It's not everything the writers wanted, but then again, in a negotiation, you're not going to get everything you wanted. The truth of the matter is that the writers are much better off after this strike and the door has been arguably opened for better and increased percentages in future negotiations. We'll just have to wait and see. We may be right back here in three years. I think that's going to be the interesting part. We've watched this in professional sports a great deal where there is a presumption that once there is a solid agreement in place, they can work out the fine tuning down the road. It is kind of a form of kicking the can down the road where you're saying, let's see how it works and then we'll kind of tinker with it at some point later. And the belief here is they've set up the structure of something that can do that. I said before all this happened, I mean, I was quoted in a large publication as saying that it was an existential crisis type of negotiation and the writers had to basically save their profession. They've done that. I am deeply impressed with the deal they've gotten. And also, I want to say that a lot of people deserve credit for their loyalty because one of the final sticking points on this agreement, Raul, it had to do with how long people can strike, didn't it? Yeah, the presumption had been, clearly by the studios at least, that once the agreement was signed, that all the writers were going to get right back to work. But evidently, the writers had, in their initial offer, said that they wanted to be able to stay on strike so long as another union was also on strike. In this case, the Screen Actors Guild. That seems to have taken some of the executives at the studios by surprise. They hadn't read the fine print. Right. It shows you how 
how callous they were with their negotiations where uh, in the final days when everyone thought an agreement was in the offing, people like David Zaslav and Bob Iger were completely caught off guard when Ryder said, as a reminder, some of us are going to remain on strike because we have that agreement already. And the CEOs are like, what in God's name are you talking about? And the agreement was very simply that as long as the actors are on strike, some writers are going to continue to pick it with them to show solidarity because the actors were so great for the writers. And that is really the entire description of what has happened here is that solidarity. These two parties had no reason to work together as devoutly as they have. And yet we have formed a kind of super union of writers and actors. And the writers weren't going to say, just because we got ours, this is over. They're going to continue striking with the actors in some instances. And I think that it has flabbergasted a lot of people in the industry who didn't think this sort of thing could happen. And honestly, more than anything else, it makes the directors look like chumps. It does. We will follow up more on this next week. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at StreamingVoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Streaming Void. Be sure to watch for us again next week. 